Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Gochner. This is Both Sides of the Aisle. I represent the political center and have on the political right, John Dougal. Hey, great to be with you as always. And on the political left, Shireen Gorbani. Hello, and hey, listeners. Glad you're still with us. We are excited to... Where else are they going to (laughs) be? Well, we've had some changes. We, We know you have a choice, but thank you for choosing us. We have had changes. Uh, we're saying farewell to KCPW today as uh, the station's been purchased and uh, we're moving to Utah Public Radio. So hello to the Utah Public Radio listeners. We're excited to continue to be part of public radio. I know John and Shereen, you'll want to say something too. Well, I was going to say, you know, one of the things we don't have a studio to record in. And so we actually recorded this yesterday. It didn't work. So we're doing take two. So we're learning as we roll along. We just want the listeners to know how much we care about you. We are ready to record again if we have to. And again and again. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, how much we enjoy the friendships. And I'm so grateful for uh, both Shireen and John. But uh, I'm not grateful for some of the news we need to talk about today. And let's go right to um, the nation of Israel and Gaza Strip and uh, Palestinian people and just talk about uh, the hardship that's going on there, the, the, the challenges. Um, I find myself not wanting to watch the news, Shereen. Yeah, I can understand that. I think the images, the devastation that we're seeing, and then I think also across social media, the just truly inflamed Um, I think, dangerous rhetoric Mm -hmm. that we're seeing escalating um, that's feeding both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Um, There's just a lot of, I think, terrible, dark, uh, painful, and dangerous waters here. Yeah. John, you and I share the concern about this crisis widening. Um, we're, We're hearing news that that, in fact, is happening. Yeah, hearing uh, Houthi rebels have declared war on Israel and stuff like that. And this is one of those challenging things. I think given the nature of the attacks on on the Israeli people, I think uh, most folks worldwide are supportive of their efforts to defend themselves and their country. Um, I think we're, we'll run into some issues is when it looks like uh, whether intentionally or accidentally, they're going after civilians. That will cause people to be concerned about what's taking place. But I don't see how you can be Israel and just sit there and take it and take it and take it. I mean, you got to do something to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's how do you how do you go after Hamas without going after the uh, Palestinian people at the same time? That will be a major challenge. Yeah, without creating more enemies than you already have. Yeah, you know, and and, just... and, 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 and death and destruction. Yeah, I would just say to listeners, if you want to get insight about where uh, the Israeli government stands on this issue, read the um, opinion editorial by Benjamin Netanyahu in the Wall Street Journal this week. It is unequivocal that they are very serious about, you know, taking out Hamas and defending their nation. So, hey, but at least, Shireen, we now have a Speaker of the House in the in Congress. Uh, Who? Who is it? Mike Johnson, uh, known as a GOP hardliner. Um, but it's nice. One of to... those household names, clearly. <laughs> Only How many Mike, Mike Johnsons Johnson. are in your phone? Yeah. How many Mike Johnsons are in your phone directory, Natalie? Well, probably a half a dozen, right? Yeah, a few. And, uh, and I didn't know uh, this uh, good Republican, um, you know, his background or anything. But uh, Shireen, I know you have some thoughts about him. Well, 
A couple of thoughts. I guess one is that this is a person who brings quite a bit of extremism um, in the Republican Party to leadership. Um, this is a person who is against marriage equality, has, a, I would say, incredibly out of step or I, I don't even think it's fair to call them conservative views on the LGBTQ community because there's been so much movement there on the right, but not for him. Um a person who supports a national abortion ban. Um, this is a person who really typifies, I think, some of the most extreme positions that that are in the Republican body right now. That's not good. Um, but I also think there's something that happens to people when they get into a leadership role, where sometimes their ideology falls to the background a little bit, mm-hmm. because they just have to get work done. So yeah. I don't know if we're going to see that with him, but I hope we do. Uh, John, you've been in a legislative body before as a as a member of uh, the Utah legislature. And it is true that if you're a speaker, you represent more than just your um, district. Explain to our listeners how that's thought of in, in legislative branches. Well, well, one of the key things, first of all, is when you represent a district, you're an advocate on behalf of the residents in that district, those voters and stuff like that. And that is your job. And and you can be a passionate advocate for them. When you take in a new leadership role, like Speaker of the House, all of a sudden now you're also facilitating the debate and discussion among all the various members and their different perspectives. And so you have to step into a different perspective and you're not just hyper-focused on your constituency, but you're now focused on the entire body. Mm-hmm. And so I know uh, Speaker Johnson has said the House is back to business. Um, he took a fractured uh, Republican caucus and got all 220 members to unanimously support him. Um, I think uh, clearly we'll see a shift in, in his focus, I believe. To, to show that he's wanting to lead. I get some folks are concerned right now that it looks like he's picking a fight with uh, Mitch McConnell over in the Senate. Um, I think part of that is, is getting his sea legs under him. I think one of the other dynamics there is he's got to show some of those folks in his caucus he's willing to battle with the Senate, even the Republicans in the Senate, to advocate on behalf of the House. Hmm. As a political centrist, I, I keep this mantra of keep an open mind. And I'm willing to keep an open mind with this Louisiana Congress member and new speaker. Just uh, I'll kind of watch him by his actions. But he's, I, I, I mentioned he jumped out of the frying pan into the fire because it's a difficult time to be speaker with uh, a government shutdown on the horizon. Uh, let's talk about Mike Pence dropping out and start with you, John. Um, you know, he runs out of money. Um, I read a column that basically said that he'd made a a political mistake to jump onto the Trump bandwagon when he did, um, because now he's a fairly young politician, but it's not sure what his runway is anymore. But your comments, John. Yeah, it's one of those things where clearly on January 6th, standing up to defend the Constitution in terms of counting the votes, um, he should be considered a hero in the minds of uh, most Americans, from my perspective. Um, Unfortunately, he now found himself in the position where he, he really has no base uh, the folks that are the hardcore Trumpers don't trust him because of what he did on January 6th. The folks that were the anti-Trumpers don't like him because of his affiliation with Trump and being Trump's vice president. And so he was basically, uh, you know, without a base. Mm-hmm. And he was running out of money. He wasn't moving in the polls. We have a, another debate, Republican debate, coming up uh, shortly in another week or so. And uh, and there was a risk, I think, of him not even making it on the stage. And so I think... Uh, Clearly, he, he saw where his future was at, and it was not in the message he was pitching. And so I think he made 
the smart move for himself as well as a good thing for the Republican Party to to suspend his campaign or withdraw mm-hmm. from the race. Watch for him to become a uh, pundit on either CNN or Fox News. Uh, Do you Shereen? think he's got the attitude for that? I feel like he's just so... His demeanor, the way that he delivers messages, I, I he just... He used to have a talk show. Oh, that's yeah. true. But he doesn't, so he's got he some doesn't, experience there. He doesn't speak quick enough. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, but, Shireen, we also have Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota, who's now... Uh, Say offici- it quickly, though. <laughs> ...officially filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission to challenge Joe Biden. Uh, he basically is saying, you know, I, Joe Biden's done a nice job, but this is about the future and it's not about the past. And I represent the future. Joe Biden doesn't. Yeah. So Dean Phillips is somebody I became familiar with. He actually represents my in-laws um, in Minnesota, um, suburban Minneapolis area, is, a, I think, a good Democrat. He's a he's a good member of the House. I don't see his politics diverting much from Joe Biden's. So this doesn't really make sense to me, right? If you are wildly progressive or much more centrist, which I think would be difficult um, than Joe Biden, maybe there's room for you. But if the entire argument is basically, I'm going to carry exactly forward what Joe Biden is doing, but I'm I'm younger, I don't know that that's compelling enough of an argument for people right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think he's mo- just gambling that Joe's not going to live that long. He's going to have to drop out because of age. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's not trying to say I'm different politically. I'm just younger. So yeah. he's he's going to be hoping to be the last man standing when Joe says, I'm out. I'm too old. I don't yeah. think we're going to see that. Well, a lot can happen. Hey, I'll give, uh, I'll give a little um, news flash to listeners. Watch for the University of Utah and Salt Lake City to be a host for a presidential debate next year. Don't know for sure if that's going to happen, but we're on the list. So I was thinking about the uh, Pence fly. Will a fly make it back? (laughs) Will a fly come back? (laughs) Hey, one more topic before we go to break, Uh, John and Shireen. This uh, Meta lawsuit, um, we have 41 states and the District of Columbia suing Meta. This is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, basically saying that the social media giant knowingly promoted addictive features that harm the mental health of young people. Just quickly, what is your comment on that, both of you? I would say it certainly does. Um, maybe you can speak about it more from a technical perspective, John. Well, I know government likes to go after big companies, especially when they're trying to say you've got addictive uh, behaviors or, or business practices. Too often, my perspective is it's for the benefit of the government and revenue comes to the government and not really, I don't see the help really going to those that suffered from whatever addiction was caused by, whether it's tobacco or social media. Hmm. I'll just say that uh, I'm willing to consider anything in the open mind spirit that will help with the mental health of our youth. I know out of the Gardner Institute, when we look at mental health indicators, basically all of the youth mental health indicators are on the rise. So a troubling trend. Hey, in our next segment, we're going to talk about a new candidate for the Utah governor's race. Uh, Stay tuned, everybody. Shereen Gorbani on the left. John Dougal on the right. Natalie Gochner, in the political center, and this is both sides of the aisle. I want to talk about the Utah governor's race and a newly, uh, you know, opting in candidate. But before we do that, let's talk about the uh, Kathleen Reby and Celeste Malloy uh, campaign, um, the debate that they've had, and Shireen ballots have, have appeared in the mail. Yes. So not 
everywhere. We got ours yesterday, it sounds like, um, or just today. But people will be seeing them over the next couple of days. Probably by the time you hear this, you'll have your ballot. I would love to remind listeners that because of the special election um, happening in the 2nd Congressional District, our election day has been moved back. So you're going to see news probably about you know, municipal elections, different elections happening next week on the 7th, I believe. And ours is a little bit later. Very um, odd. But you're a, Very unusual. Unusual. Yeah. Confusing. will be there. Yes. Um, but it's kind of, it's statewide. Everybody's it's November delayed. 21st is election day this year because of that delay. Yeah, that's right. So this is a really interesting race. Um, I ran in the second congressional district. It was a little bit different than it is now, but largely the same. And I'm really proud of Senator Kathleen Reby, who is really bringing forward a conversation about what freedom really means. Um, I think we're seeing from the right um, restrictions on freedom. She's been in the classroom a long time, a teacher. She's seeing the way that right-wing politics have really restricted freedom in schools when we think about book bans, when we think about things that people can say. I mean, like the don't say gay law that passed in Florida, different things like that. Um, but then also this kind of broader conversation about what it really means to be free in this country. And I'm proud of the way she's framed the the arguments that she's bringing forward. Mm. Yeah. John, do you have any comment there? Well, one of the key things I like about Celeste is she can hit the ground running. She's got experience there, having been a staffer to uh, Congressman Stewart. Um, so she understands a lot of the dynamics in D.C., um, I also appreciate her recognition of, of rural Utah. She's been all over the state and making sure that rural Utah has a voice in what's taking place in this election. And so making sure, if you will, the entire district is participating and yeah. not some feeling like they're disenfranchised. It'll be fun to see what uh, what the voters choose here and what they want. Uh, again, I'm, I've got an open mind theme going. I, I know Senator Reby. She's my senator. Uh, I know her to be a person of, um, you know, a lot of experience and and policy savvy. I do not know Celeste Malloy, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I see. I think hey. you'll like her. Yeah. So Phil Lyman, John, this is a, a current uh, member of the Utah legislature, represents yeah, he's, he's San in the state Juan house, County area. Former, former county commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, an accountant, um, bright guy, known nationally because he was pardoned by Donald Trump. <laughs> In the tail. And, and why and was he pardoned? <laughs> what did he do? Well, he was part of a group that was, uh, you know, expressing their concern, protesting, if you will, about uh, the federal government shutting down what they believe are public roads down in their their county. And so he was he was writing on that, and the federal government came after him for it. So it, he was defiant. I, I, yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's not every day you meet someone that's been pardoned. And especially that you meet someone that's been pardoned that you think a lot of. I, I'm, I think Phil Lyman is a really uh, smart guy. I think he's a thoughtful person. Uh, I think this is bad news for Governor Cox, not because, um, you know, Lyman will take the governor's uh, mansion from him, but it just makes his job more difficult when you have to fend off all of the incoming from a candidate like Phil Lyman. Well, let's talk about Phil Lyman. What is his argument for being in this race? What have we heard? Well, I think part of the dynamic, you're going to see him come from the perspective, which is, you know, Phil is much more conservative than, than Governor Cox. And so he's going to be talking about, I think, federal overreach and the impact the federal government's had on Utah and, and ways to push back. I think you're going to hear him talk about things like uh, cutting taxes, deregulating, um, 
engaging rural Utah much more in the Utah economy, uh, all sorts of things like that. I, I John, would anticipate that sounds, he will probably be there on school choice as well. John, that sounds an awful lot like Governor Cox to me. Yeah, I didn't hear like a differentiation. I think that there are certainly differences in style, probably. Um, But as a person who is not going to vote for either, (laughs) um, I do think that. Oh, come on, Shereen, you know? I do think that there is something, uh, this is going to sound strange to listeners who know me and have any sense of Phil Lyman, but I find him a little bit refreshing in the sense that he is very direct about exactly where he's coming from and why. And one of the things I find frustrating sometimes about Utah Republicanism is that there's this sort of sense of, I don't know, patting you on the back while taking your rights away, like being kind to you to your face, um, while also moving in a direction that is harmful to schools, to people, to trans kids, for example. Um, And I'm interested in somebody who's a little bit more forthright um, Mm -hmm. in what exactly they believe and what's driving their decisions. And I will say, not to say that he's not nice. Um, I've had limited interactions with him. I'm sure he has no idea who I am. But when I was on the county council, I was at some county council convention of some variety. And he was just incredibly warm, kind, you know, interest, like, just a nice, much more inviting person than a lot of the other county commissioners that I interacted with. Well, this is the funny thing. He gets caricatured a certain way, but when you know him personally, he is a very different person. Yeah, yeah. Very kind, very thoughtful, very hardworking. And I think that is uh, something for our listeners to sort of key in on, that sometimes the public caricature is not the private, and uh, get to know these candidates as best you can. Yeah, but I will just give this last pitch. I think that we need an urban governor. When we think about the actual dynamics of this state, I certainly think it's important and we need to be focused on the economic decline that we're seeing really kind of uniquely in some of our more rural or very rural counties. But most of us live in an urban setting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we're one of the most urban states we're, we're in like the nation. We're like the most urbanized. Yes, we really are. We live along the Wasatch Front. And while I am concerned about what's happening with everything from family farms to housing in rural communities, I can tell you that a lot of the challenges that people are facing, the cost of healthcare, accessing healthcare, um, all of those dynamics, for me, when I knocked on doors from Farmington to St. George, People had a lot of the same concerns, but there are simply more of us living along the Wasatch Front. And I think having somebody who's clued into everything from the transportation, the housing challenges in that setting would serve our state well. Hmm. I think Shireen really wants somebody from Salt Lake City. (laughs) You know, interesting you mentioned that, uh, Shireen. I mean, uh, Representative Lyman is, I believe, lives in Blanding. That puts him in San Juan County. Uh, so southeastern Utah, um, you just go a little bit further, less than an hour, and you're in Bluff, Utah, and just a tiny bit further from that, and you're at uh, Monument Valley. But it's hard to get farther away from the capital city than the Four Corners area or southeast Utah. And uh, so to your point, yeah. hey, um, I want to talk about this poll that the Desert News Hinckley Institute of Politics did. It it dealt with um, sanctioned camping, and more than two-thirds of Utahns say they support a policy of legally sanctioned campsites for people experiencing homelessness. That surprised me. Um, Typically, people frown on anything that's sort of that unorganized and, you know, not... um, 
I don't know, maybe greater care being placed. And I think this is actually a really positive sign because it shows that Utahns understand that not all people experiencing homelessness want to be bunked up in a room with 10, 15 other people. Yeah, that's right. I think that there are a lot of interesting elements of that data, right? Um, You're right. I think it suggests that there's a desire to figure out other solutions. I also am concerned that it's just a make this go away, right? I don't want to see this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that um, a lot of Utahns are are experiencing. I I can understand that sentiment. Um, It's hard to explain Mm -hmm. to my kid as I'm driving around downtown, why as a society we've decided it's okay, or we've made decisions that create circumstances where multiple people are camping out when it's 24 degrees. Um, You know, it's going to get colder this winter. And I think there's also something to be said about, I wish that when we did these kinds of surveys, we were also educating people about what really makes a difference when it comes to people who are truly unhoused on the street. How do we move them into a more stable setting? Um, I think a sanctioned campsite with caseworkers with people who are there trying to help get individuals into the right circumstances is something our city needs. Mm -hmm. When we think about the difference between a tent and having a door and what that does in terms of a person's stability, their sense of dignity and safety, a lot can be changed. So I hope that we're really looking at all of the different ways that this kind of unsanctioned or, or, or I guess I shouldn't say unsanctioned, sanctioned campsites might be a part of a greater solution. Yeah. John, I have uh, watched this pretty closely. Uh, One of the things they asked us to do recently as a policy um, think tank is look at the trajectory of what we've been doing for homeless services in the state. And it's actually really impressive. I mean, everything from getting out of the warehouse model to getting the homeless resource centers up and running to expanding Medicaid, that's, that's very helpful, to criminal justice reform, to all the work on intergenerational poverty, Uh, This is a state that is looking this issue right in the eyes, and it's coming from the governor's office, it's coming from Salt Lake County, Salt Lake City, and the philanthropic community, and I'm really optimistic that we're getting somewhere. I I know it's not evident to people yet, but I would just say over the next six to, you know, 12 weeks, keep an eye on on what you see on homelessness. Uh, John, anything from Capitol Hill? I I think to Shereen's point, sometimes people want it to go away because they're uncomfortable seeing it. I think sometimes people want it to go away because they can't believe the suffering some people are going through and going, how come this isn't fixed or resolved yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and while while they may see you know, any of a number of options, including sanctioned camping, as Shereen mentioned, uh, you know, 24 degrees out, I don't care whether you have a tent or not, that is really cold. And you know, I don't really think anybody should be sleeping in that. Yeah. John, let's stay with you and just uh, talk about uh, our Attorney General, Sean Reyes. Um, there's been some reporting about him um, having his nonprofit, Liberate All, Value All, uh, claiming partnerships with lots of entities that have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, John, wh- what have you seen in the news? How would you uh, summarize this for our listeners? So I would describe it as Sean as a really passionate, active guy who wants to be involved in helping in lots of things, lots of charitable activities. Um, And this is, unfortunately, looks like an unforced error. And I don't know if this is him or somebody that works for him, but most charities are more than happy to partner with somebody else who's willing to uh, bring attention to their cause, bring resources and money to their cause. And so I, I don't know why there wasn't a little better work trying to coordinate, hey, let's partner together in solving these various problems to the benefit of Utahns. And so I just see it an unfortunate, unforced error. Yeah. I think this is kind of a, I guess, widening of the web or unspooling of the 
misconduct is a strong word probably, but concerns that are being raised about Reyes's relationship with Tim Ballard and then sort of this, if you want to call it, I think generously an unforced error of listing multiple uh, organizations. I think the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition was one, um, the Clothesline Project at UVU and others that really hadn't been contacted by that office, that hadn't had collaboration. And I think it's just a misrepresentation that just feels bad. It feels kind of icky. Um, so I hope that there's swift movement to resolve that um, and really clean that up. And it's mm-hmm. his family foundation. It's not an official thing. It makes me wonder uh, how they're doing in the Utah Attorney General's office. There's been so much incoming, you know, and uh, you got to think to yourself uh, when it rains, it pours, and how if you're the Attorney General, how are you finding the time to do the business of the state when you're dealing with wave after wave of controversy right now? Pretty That's tricky a great question. Yeah, pretty yeah. tricky. So as we sign off, can we just give a quick shout out to the end of KCPW? It's sad to see the station go. <laughs> We're happy to still be with you, listeners. Um, but it is always sad when you see a piece of our um, local public radio fabric dissolve. Um, but we do know some exciting news about what's happening with the station. Do you want to share a little bit, Natalie? Well, I'm just, I'm a big fan of Utah Public Radio. It's broadcast statewide. Um, we've got an email for our listeners, uh, BSOTA podcast. So both sides of the aisle podcast at gmail.com. Send in your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Spread the word of where to find uh, this podcast. And we just Thanks love to listening. keep you. Yeah. So Natalie Gawkner, John Dougal, Shereen Gorbani, all signing off. Our program is produced by Anthony Skoma. Thanks, everybody, for listening.